welcome to this special edition podcast series, Surviving the Shitstorm with me, Michael Tinkser. Today's guest, Brian Moore, is a very special friend and business connection of mine. Brian is a global retail expert, analyst, trainer, and writer with decades of experience. Brian is also the CEO of EMR NAM News, a daily and monthly newsletter covering everything from supermarkets to food service. We'll be talking about the current situation, how to navigate the storm, the importance and power of the good old four P's, a positioning, and much more. Thanks to our partner HGM, Tahola, and Vita Mojo, who are making this possible. Grab headphones and enjoy. Thank you for joining us in today's special edition podcast series, Surviving the Shitstorm. We say the 1st of April 2020, and our society and a lot of industries, especially food and retail, has ended in what I would call a shitstorm due to the coronavirus. A lot of leaders in the last couple of weeks has been through some very tough decisions. There's businesses that has been closed, people has been made redundant, uh, government that came out with some massive packages. To 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 sum some of these things up, I've invited a very good uh, friend and colleague of mine, Brian Moore, which I've actually talked with before on the podcast, and we we were talking about a year ago about something coming, something big, and, and I don't think any of us had predicted that it was something of this scale. So welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you very much, Michael. Looking forward again. If uh, people out there don't know who Brian Moore is on NAM News, could you just give a a quick uh, overview about who you are and what NAM News is all about and what you guys are doing? Okay, Michael, and I'm bearing in mind the uh, limited time scale, but effectively, just to summarize, what I basically do is provide trade updates on developments in trade affecting supply and demand across FMCG, food service, and every other sector that is of interest to our readers. We've been doing that for about 40 years. We've previous to that have been in, um, as I say, brand marketing and medical sales, which is a complicated sale in the sense that you sell to the uh, someone you do not know and to someone who a third party actually pays for it, in, in other words, the NHS. So that got me interested in selling. I then developed into that from marketing. I had been basically trained as an engineer. So from that point of view, I had the actual numbers. So all of this brought it together. And 40 years ago, we set up, as I say, Nam News Camp City. And here's where I am today. Um, as you know, in our last discussion, we were talking about a, a reset coming. And I agree totally, an unprecedented reset has occurred in terms of economics, obviously, in terms of society, banking, and politics as well. So from that point of view, we need to review our thinking, to say the least. And uh, thankfully, we have this opportunity together to do that now. Lots gone on, a lot of dark news I mentioned, a lot of help packages coming out. What, where, where, where do you see things, you know, from uh, uh, a short-term uh, right now here because it feels a bit like the, the shock we out of the shock phase now we are for some are gone into you know we still need to solve solve out a bit of challenges in our companies finding out you know how many people can we keep on and so on but it feels like the healing period is starting it feels while it this 
tsunami that came in and now it's gone and now it's we passed the A and E. Now we just need to recover and we still have a you know a health crisis going on. At the same time, we don't know. We we're trying to beat the curve, as they talk about, so we don't break the uh, the hospital system. So, so, but but where do you see see the whole world is in all this? And I are we actually somewhere? And is it, it's actually easy to predict where we are right now? Right. Um, first of all, it's interesting you say we're dealing with all of this problem while the health crisis is going on, and you put your finger on something I really believe to be the case. In other words, it is easy to blame coronavirus on all of what is happening this time. In practice, it is simply, in my mind, a catalyst that has accelerated fault lines that have been evident in companies and their performance since the global financial crisis back in 2008. So in other words, we've had a stock market that has been artificially hyped up and Uh, irrespective of the state of companies in terms of their uh, profit and loss, in terms of balance sheets, etc. In other words, for whatever reason, we've been in a a bull market all this time, and uh, we now have a a reset of that, a back to reality. So from that point of view, it's it's not that difficult to understand. You know, when it comes to short-term and long-term, what I'm finding very, very helpful is to put in another phase, which is medium term as well, that allows people to break up their thinking into the immediacy of the firefighting, which is what we're going through in the current chaos. In the medium term, then, we're talking about when this is likely to finish. In other words, the health override, if you like. And I truly believe that the steps the government have taken mean that within four weeks, we will be back at our desks. Because and that, by that time, the government can claim success of the salute, if you like, the, the therapy, in a manner of speaking. Uh, so from a political point, that can go on, can claim credit for the cure. Okay? But uh, then we can get back to business, and we will have to. The reissues of people still feeling it's dangerous to meet closely with other people, etc. I think... Um, if they see this as a, if you like, another version of influenza, then the time period that has elapsed along with another four weeks should see us over the top of that problem. In medium term, then, we're talking getting back. And, uh, but in the meantime, companies are going bust and will continue to do. And, but others are beginning to rebuild their business models. Okay. What is accelerating, of course, and is obvious to everybody, is to move online in all respects. And that has to be good. But it does mean um, businesses are having to change a little bit in terms of accepting the fact and trusting people to work at home. And the evidence of that will emerge. But then it will raise questions as to the viability of large office space and commuting when people have had the chance to think again about these matters. Just interesting, would you say, with people commuting and office space again, because, again, that's real estate. And, you know, uh, I guess there's a lot of companies also find out that they don't need to have big offices and uh, a lot of people in the office all the time. You can actually run run businesses remotely. What that means in practice is that, for instance, the idea of having very expensive 
centralized office um, in the middle of, say, London um, becomes questionable. Bankers who actually own the properties in many cases um, begin to question then the, the, the value of that asset on their books. If they then have the value of the asset is acknowledged as being lower, then their cover for credit given is altered and they breach government, if you like, guidelines or even rules on how much they're meant to keep in the uh, in reserve versus what they can lend. So that's challenged the loan to, um, as I say, ratios in terms of the asset values. So that'll be an interesting one. Out of that will come the interest that they charge in order to make that viable, etc. But banks are now looking at that whole idea of reassessing uh, rental streams and thereby, uh, again, as you know, value of properties upon which they're based. And that's just one knock-on that's going to hold on. They must be working very fast on that idea, trying to adjust it. Yeah, and another thing, yeah, I don't know if you mentioned that long term, but one of the things I've heard uh, the the last couple of weeks, and you know, especially because the industry I come from, restaurants and is a and hospitality are very you know cash flow dependent, and all cash disappeared, you know, all customers disappeared, and liquidity was thereby dried out. What is that gonna do on a medium term? Because I can see already now in hospitality there is uh, as uh, as we already gone through a couple of days after the storm started to settle down and uh, the firefighting, you can see a lot of chains are going into administration. That doesn't mean they're done. There could be a restructure that goes on, but again, it goes very fast from one week to be in operation and serving customers to be in administration. It shows you how cash tight they were as well. And and many of them are, you know, because it is totally depending, small to big, even independent restaurants. So, and I guess it's the same for many retail and the high street as well. So, so what is that going to do, you know, medium term? Is that going to, uh, uh, do we going to going to see a massive slaughter of businesses over the next coming months where we are, we are hibernating at home? No, which you totally, Michael. And basically, if anybody is doing what-ifs, then they should be conducting these what-ifs on possible scenarios, especially in hospitality. If they're not looking seriously at a 50% to 25% reduction in numbers of outlets, just that very basic fact, um, they're being unrealistic. It is going to be that radical, I believe. So obviously, and that's where I go back to the 12 years since the last, as I say, global financial crisis, and this is just a new one, uh, People, no one, not many people are cash rich. Um, they've worked um, down to the lowest level in terms of profitability. Retailers that were traditionally 6 or 7% net profit or 1 or 2% net profit if they're lucky, Okay, and but especially in hospitality, that I see as a cash business, in a manner of speaking, they are going through something now that is not just a cash crisis, but people that were normally eating in their premises are now living at home, rediscovering, cooking for themselves, making do a little bit more, etc. These are all combined threats for the future of that sector. 
to actually get them to come in, book, and be a little bit apprehensive still, no matter how far ahead this is, about being too close to the neighbours, means tables being separated, just to meet that psychological need. It would be a totally unrealistic, but basically a perception of people coming in that I need should not be too close to people. So um, we now have these, as I say, restaurants, cafes, etc., having to redesign the model. Some have done so by having cash, um, if you like, uh, click and collect. Um, again, the problem with that is they're not they're cited in places where they're paying rent, high rent, based on traffic. That traffic's disappeared. To convert those to a click and collect, they should then move out of town to a, a warehouse somewhere and do, do it there, as the dark stores were an, a, a trend towards that with the liberal we talked about before. Um, so that's the problem. Is it going to be radical that when you go online and convert to click and collect, the actual collect part is only part of the final mile of costs. Um, they've still got the other costs of, of servicing an online offering, which I reckon every transaction at least £25. Now, then you've got to have a high minimum order to make that worthwhile. And they simply come in to collect or taking a little bit of that cost away. The owner is of the establishment is actually carrying a lot more than that. So that's the sort of dilemma and how fundamental the problem is for people, you know. What about uh, you were saying now we talked a bit about the medium term. What is going to happen when we see the, the light on the other side, when we come through this? Because I talked with a lot of different people and had a couple of guests on the podcast. I think many cannot see that. When is this is going to end? They're just saying it's looking into, you know, uh, a deep, deep, dark hole, and you can't see the light for the end of it yet. You're just falling through this hole, and nobody knows if it's you know that's been talked about six months lockdown, nine months. Uh, the, the wildest one I've heard is twelve months, um, and you know before the economy kicks back in, we probably eighteen months, two, three years. You know, if you talk about yeah, I understand, Michael. That if you talk about lockdown, that cannot be allowed to go much further than four to eight weeks. Absolutely. And I mean that because uh, the country cannot afford really what it's taken on in terms of financing people to stay at home effectively. You know, so that that's the problem. Um, so ways will be found to get people back, inverted commas, to normal. It won't be normal. There will be big gaps there in terms of what has changed. Companies will have gone bust. Well, as you just see Carluccio finally going uh, well expected in the past least year, two years of trading from that point of view. So, again, um, there's smaller places. Um, family run have a hope, I suppose, in a way that can be very specific, very tailored to local need and employ the family to cover some of the, if you like, the labor um, effort that is required. So from that point of view, uh, people will survive without a doubt, but there will be a radically changed landscape out there. Is there anyone winning right now? What are you seeing out there? Well, obviously, uh, anybody in uh, food retail, for sure, health and beauty secondarily, um, and um, the health part of that, obvious as well. Um, you're talking about anybody supplying uh, the health service have got a, a real advantage there. 
So people are winning um, by having combinations with hospital shops, for instance, they can meet the needs of both the NHS staff, for instance, and equally uh, retailers need to actually uh, get traffic in that respect. So those ways will, will evolve and be found, and, and that will flourish, I would suggest. But others will be radically damaged. As they say, transport, flying, you know, the whole airline industry is being hit. Very badly, where you have primarily leased aircraft. As soon as their sales turnover goes down by 25%, and they just can't afford to finance the fleet, government then have to put in um, basically big money. For instance, American Airlines uh, have asked the government over in the states for 12 billion injection of dollars. You know, that's very big money in that respect, in a, an impossible situation. Uh, tourism itself is going to be very moderated after, at least in the first year or so after this. People just afraid to commit in terms of deliver, going there from health or other points of view, even if they're allowed to travel. You know, um, so some industries big question marks over them. The government cannot nationalise everything; um, it shouldn't, <laughs> from that point of view. It's a, a real issue for sure. You touched about a bit like on the government supporting this, and this is massive packages, and they've gone really fast, and they did a tremendous big amounts. And I'm, I, one of my questions has been the last couple of weeks: How can we afford all this? You know, because we couldn't afford anything before this, and now suddenly we can afford everything. And I, I know there has been austerity, and there's probably some extra money in the. Uh, uh, checkers box in there but uh, I guess this is also a bit of a gamble in a way to keep the country calm it is it is a big gamble and it is it is printing money you know and eventually we are reliant on the confidence of people in the currency and in government in order to accept that value for money um, it's going down um, because of the printing of excess, etc. So from that point of view, a real challenge. Um, we will be paying this back somehow. The part of this reset is, in fact, an acknowledgement that we've been living too long on borrowed money. So that, from that point of view, it will there will be pressure to, if you like, collect more tax and to actually cut down expenditure on the on the, the country in a manner of speaking. So it's not for nothing. We're getting a holiday on these issues, but the government being a government don't cover everybody. And from that point of view, the significant gaps in the support package are evident already in terms of missing out self-employed people totally and creative industry particularly which is the source of all growth for the future because, for, you know, at the very basic level, these startups depend on, as I say, the, the enthusiasm and, as I say, creativity of young people entering the market in various roles, etc. And to have missed that out totally is something they would, I believe, have to correct. Uh, but keep in mind broadly that the burden increasing overall for the whole country in terms of maintaining people's position within us, you know. 
uh, have they done enough? Uh, there's people who want more out there. I know from my industry, they the operators want more. They want you know help to rent free periods up to nine months. There's some quite big demands coming as well uh, now. Still, even though there has been, can should they do more or is this you know or do you think this is already more than they can actually? You know, commit to afford, you know, because you're uh, uh, there's a there's a bottom in every pocket. I say, no. Well, this is it, and it has to be paid by someone. So to give a mortgage holiday of three months uh, means a bank is having to be refinanced in some way to tolerate that. Um, so from that point of view, um, we should be conscious that, of the fact that these um, steps have a cost, but. Without it, it would have been total chaos rather than just relative chaos if they had not done it. So politically, they had to do that. Uh, the question is uh, a tightening of belts for the future, uh, giving people a breathing space, making sure that there are no people falling through a crack that shouldn't be falling through, as I mentioned a bit earlier, from that point of view. So broadly speaking, um, they're doing what could reasonably be expected to happen, and I'm talking government here, um, the question is uh, how we pick ourselves up afterwards in terms of the country and equally uh, individual businesses within that. Um, well, I think the answer basically is that people have to just go very much back to basics and the supply and demand in terms of setting up a business, identifying real need, etc. So from that point of view, I see it in terms of uh, reviewing the business model. The model we used before is no longer fit for purpose. It cannot be. It would never envisage this type of change. Now I have to say, what do people out there who are now increasingly savvy, they've had time to stay at home to review their thinking, the relationships, the relationship with the family, with the brands, with suppliers, with retailers, etc., and uh, they're thinking inverted commas properly and fundamentally for the first time, and have time to so do. So, from that point of view, they're going to come back savvy at least and demanding demonstrable value for money, and not taking any nonsense from that point of view. So to then sit down and say, right, if I was starting this business from scratch, in other words, right at the beginning, what would I be looking at? What type of people would I be, if you like, targeting the business at? So what would their circumstances, not what they want, but what they really need and get to that fundamental and then begin to see, can I put a package together that could meet that need and still make enough money to continue the good work? Could I afford to be very honest with them as to the advantages of what my product or service is? And on that basis, at a price that it compares very well with anyone they try to compare me with in similar aspects of the market. So all very basic stuff from that point of view. I want to be able to look, if you like, carefully at my competitors objectively, not assuming that we are fantastic and they are rubbish, but rather saying from the point of view of a consumer coming into a restaurant and just sitting down, how does this compare with their other experience of restaurants? To what extent 
I mean, meeting their price expectations versus quality, etc. In other words, and I would again revert to the very basic textbook, what combination of the four Ps in terms of product or service, prices and terms, presentation and place where they avail of the offering, what are we balancing within that mix to optimize the contact with them? Sounds even a bit theoretical, but in practice, I believe with 40 years of practicing it, that's the basic. And that when they compare that with other people uh, providing similar services or products, that we um, stand out a little, not radically, but just enough to be different and be attractive in terms of coming back for more. So that's what I feel people need to do. And uh, in terms of steps in this terrible, as I say, chaos. Uh, we have to just look at that. We then have to, again, look at our customer base. And again, we're to, I believe the easiest people to sell to are those who, for whatever reason, like what we do. So we re revisit our current customers or clients and say, right, why are they satisfied with us? Are they getting everything we can give them? Can we add more? We then say, of those people, can I identify new products that they need and supply them those products or services? So now I got, as I say, that group of people, my basic customer base, uh, on two levels of new product and current product. Then say, well, what was so good about that current product? Can we look for new people that actually would be of the same profile and thereby accept our current product, our best product, or best service? And uh, to complete, the, if you like, it is the ANSOP model, as you know from previous stuff we've written and discussed, that you then take a flyer on uh, putting out new products for totally new customer types. You don't know them, they don't know you, high risk, but you never know. question is, how much effort do I put? I put 50% into the current product, the current people. That 50% of my time, money, and people just aiming at just optimizing what we got already and stop them slipping into the hands of a competitor. I then can do 15% on top of the, as I say, the new products to current customers. And gradually I end up with only 5% just having a look at new products for new customer types. But broadly, that's my total resource taken care of from that point of view. And it's worked for years. It's, not, it's independent of the circumstances because it acknowledges the actual circumstances. One of the key things for people is saying, right, stop myself from trying to go back to the norm of yesterday that seemed to work. Um, redefine the new norm. In other words, as you said several times in this interview, what will the world look like when this is over? And then what do I do to gear myself up for that um, in the non-financial sense? Uh, so in other words, the key with the norm is there's no absolute, I believe. It's rather your version for the particular type of strength and, uh, that you have in terms of what you offer. Be able to then say, this is my definition of my norm. I'm going to live with that as reality, and I'm going to now take action based on that, not just philosophize about what the new norm looks like, rather accept a definition of it, and then go for action. I said, Seth Golden spends time saying this over and over again, 
and uh, to my mind, extremely good advice in that respect. In a way, you are just saying it's buckle down on what you, in principle, in my view as well, always should be working on uh, is understanding your this also called positioning. That was what it was called when I was I was in a university. Uh, you know what. Uh, why are we here uh what kind of problem are we solving or what kind of you know need did you call it of putting and i think i think you're right about the whole thing when i've been talking a lot with um, the, the the businesses i'm involved in uh, and we have been through all the firefighting in the last couple of weeks but now we're starting to say what kind of business are we going to be on the other side how are we going to make how are we going to make people feel safe because you can if you can do that with your business or your solution and give people, you know, comfort, then um, then I think you have something. And then also I think there's a, in my view, there's going to be a world where you have to care. If you don't care, people will figure it out and they will spend their money somewhere else. Their hard-earned money going to be spent with companies that care about not only people, product, uh, but also the planet, because there's another crisis coming on the back of this, as I say to many people. It's called climate change. And 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 this is just an early warning from Mother Earth. That's what I've said to a couple of people. I believe so. Uh, and then uh, they came on top of that and overheated economy. They collapse, as you say. And then we are in real trouble. But basically, what you're describing there is trust. The old essence of a brand, be it a restaurant brand or be it a, a product in a tin, is effectively. I don't have to second guess the content of this. They put the brand on. I know what I'm getting. And by the way, I get a little bit more. So I'm uh, pleased with that also. That is, it, I keep boiling it down to that idea is that you literally represent some sort of value, predictability in terms of being able to, as I say, lift the lid and know what to expect. Um, the crooks will be opportunists and will take advantage of this situation without a doubt. They'll even rob people in hospitals that we're reading about in the press. Uh, terrible, you know, but they will be found out. We have the technology, etc., to at least eliminate a lot of that con activity in that respect. But meanwhile, the, if you like, honest broker is simply going through trying to put little packages together and sell them for a reasonable price, as good as or perhaps better than something you can buy alternatively from other people. And that when people have used the product or service, come back for more willingly. That's all you can expect or should expect and aim for, I think. And that can that will only be enhanced after some of this changes has, has, has occurred and we're settling down a little bit to whatever becomes normal for us, I think. Where can, in your view, if you had to say there's three places or two places where, you know, business people or business leader that is really hit by this industries like the, you know, retail, restaurants, uh, where where can they go for, you know, help? Where where should they go for? Because what you're asking as well and trying to say, in my view, is that you need to think a lot out of the box, not just a little, a lot out of the box. Totally, Michael. And the key is, I think the question really is, um, how do I deal with the multitude of people who will be coming to me with suggestions on, uh, to solve my business problems? So I think rather than having to go and find help, they will be sitting there trying to evaluate the help that's being offered. So from that point of view, we 
become skilled in reassessing and choosing value for money in what we hear. There will be more than enough people looking for work to, in terms of consulting and other things who actually will be offering. It's of course the question of selection, okay, and keeping up to date, obviously. And what you're looking for and they should be looking for is a down-to-earth, practical approach. No waffle, no, you know, overselling, etc. at a price that is sustainable and, if you like, compares reasonably well with what is already available in the market. That's what the, the, the key will be in terms of the help. There are, of course, will be, um, as a official sources and uh, in terms of background and in-depth knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. They, that would be part of the normal package of studying for the business you're in. So I see that as an aside, you know. But basically, it's uh, choosing who you work with in the future at whatever level of intimacy in terms of the business and yourself and they. And, and that would be the big challenge rather than needing to look too much, I think. I guess like anyone else, you're also looking at it from your business point of view and uh, and yourself. How do you, uh, you're a very experienced gentleman, I know. So how do you keep sane in, in all this? And uh, what is your personal advice to, because you also lead our business. What do, what do you do to keep yourself sane, you know, being isolated at home and all that stuff? No, not with you totally. Um, read voraciously. There are good people out there writing good stuff. That I have to go, and, and this is very important. One could be very cynical and say mainstream media is all preaching the same message, which is interesting. And uh, But we also have an internet of a very radical spread of people and thinking. A lot of rubbish a lot of dangerous thinking. But broadly speaking, if we think back to when we were encouraged even at school to read around the subject in order to then sort of average out the good and bad and come to some personal conclusion. That's the whole thing is we've literally fallen into a trap over 20, 30 years of relying on banks to do our financial management, on politicians to run our political affairs, etc., on every provider, in other words, to actually look after us. We don't have that luxury anymore. We've got to think for ourselves. There are two, we've been fooled too often, if we take April Fool's Day being today, um, to live with that anymore. Um, and that's the most dangerous thing for all of the chancers, I would call them, in the mix out there. Um, now what they're doing really is breeding on uh, a very, very savvy set of consumers who are educating their kids to the same, if you like, questioning attitude and lifting the lid more often than not. Uh, things they never did before. They're second-guessing brands because of various other um if you like, cons that have actually been revealed over the time in terms of some uh, people taking chances or evaluating what they pay for help in terms of any service provider, and that is helpful indeed. But the key is, that, as I do believe, is they're thinking for themselves, a healthy development, but very challenging for anybody trying to rule them or keep them at home for the future in terms of similar crises as they occur. What about um, people that work in these sectors? 
what would you say you know the the there's one thing being the leader but then there's also the the people on the ground there's a lot of people that are concerned if they have jobs to come back and there's different economies that's been out and they they to try to give different pictures of where the job market's going to go there's somebody that says it's just all going to bounce back but that's not what i hear you saying there's no v curve here uh, and then there's what you're saying which i think it's probably on the the outcome it's going to crawl very slowly back and uh, it's going to go a long time before we see so much liquidity in an economy again if we ever in our lifetime going to see that again um that is the most painful part of of this discussion um the human impact we have to be very very careful of there are sensitivities out there and there are real practical issues for people we have to be if we in any way influence that situation, be very responsible and feel very much for the individual as much as possible. There will be people no longer employed in certain industries, without a doubt. We're just leaped in big step into online in all its respects. And that doesn't mention people very often in the sense of uh, going to a place and doing work. People have to be as flexible as possible to think big about the job and um, just in terms of giving, in their own sense, value for money in whatever way and not see themselves, if possible, locked into particular types of work, but to maintain that flexibility, to educate their kids to be more flexible mind is in a manner of speaking to accept change as a given and that may be part of the actual um, future norm if you like for some people um, and above all to help those who through their no fault of their own are actually suffering through this and will in the future possibly but bearing in mind everything has a cost and it will be charged up in some way and that has to be I think run the numbers on everything and just see what can be done within, if you like, the way we want to live our lives. So very fundamental. I've never had to look at it so much in that way before. But no, the people at home are having time to think of these things. They're going to come back changed without a doubt. It's also very interesting um, from the, the two, there's two elements in what you just said, the, the two answers you gave. Um, uh, we had uh, Charlie McVeigh on the, 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 the normal uh, podcast, Hospitality Mavericks, and uh, around Christmas time, and it was just election day. And he said that uh, it's very important in business that we come back to, he said, of course, we should take care of our people. We should take care of our uh, communities. But also, we can't do that if we don't have a net profit he said and there has been too much uh, you know leveraging going on and not realistic looking at do you actually have a business that can make a net profit uh um, so I think I think that nicely ties up what you say as well. And net profit also goes for private economy uh, and so on. Can can you actually afford what you have? Can you afford that car? Can you afford those three holidays? Or um, it, it, it's it's going to be a rough ride, you know, uh, for for many. And there's no there's no one winning here. Uh, there will always there's always winners, but the, most people are losing in the moment. There's no doubt about it, no matter how much money you have. That's a it's a difficult game in the moment. So no, without a doubt, and will become tighter as governments have to 
take some of that money back in some way, even from the wealthier ones, etc. Um, the the key is, is just I would think uh, value for money. I apply it across the whole spectrum of activity, unfortunately, but we have to do that. And uh, we do what we can manage to do and hopefully not let too many people slip through the cracks. We have a responsibility for them as well, obviously. And ourselves, we just have to make sure that what we do basically satisfies a need somehow um, from a job point of view, obviously, um, as a price we feel we're worth in terms of being paid and uh, we just deliver uh, slightly over deliver on that as is in terms of being in terms of attitude I suppose to what we're doing so very fundamental Brian this was a very very great deep uh, analysis but also you know a, a projection of what's uh, what's coming um, I'm sure that uh, Leaders can use this to get inspired, but also get some facts before they start to reboot, reset their businesses, which we it's going to happen very fast. I think that uh, people and, and you're going to move very fast or else uh, somebody comes and, and takes away the carpet. So again, Brian, as always, uh, great insights and uh, and and uh, understanding of the, 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 the complex things that's going on here. Uh, where can people uh, follow you if they want to know a bit more about you, Brian, uh, before we say goodbye to you? No, I understand perfectly. I use LinkedIn twice or three times a day, so anybody can find me there at LinkedIn. And secondly, obviously, we have a magazine where these thoughts we try out and, and, and publicize uh, and get reaction from people that help keep us on if you like a practical course in that respect so nam news campcity.com and linkedin uh, apart from my personal phone number as well for those who would like to chat but effectively uh, i can be reached without a doubt yeah good 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 brian we'll put that in the show notes as well so uh, people can find out there you out there and i say it's definitely worth to follow nam news uh, i do that myself uh, and it just sometimes is, is always good to have facts instead of too much gut in business and in life because you emotion sometimes uh, overshadows our decisions Brian, you uh, stay safe and take care in all of this. And uh, I send you power, energy and, and love to you and your loved ones. And uh, hopefully next time we meet is uh, over a coffee or a beer as we did, did before this. <laughs> in, in somewhere that is open. Um, so yeah. I look forward and, and do appreciate, Michael, taking time to have a chat in this way. I hope it's helpful to some of the people that you work with in that respect. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Brian, for your great insights and thoughts about how the world looks from a business perspective in the current environment. It's clear that positioning the market, achieving net profit will be key for survival in the years to come. Remember, if you'd like to know more about Brian, you can do that via LinkedIn, Brian Moore, or check out his blog at camcityblog.com. Please share this podcast so other industry people also can get great insight and advice. If you like more of this, please subscribe to one of our channels. More to come very soon. If you're not signed up to the newsletter, go to experience101.live and sign up today. Thanks to our partner, HM, Tahola and Vita Mojo for supporting us getting this out to more movers, shakers and mavericks. Together we can overcome this. 
Thanks for listening and be kind out there. We need more help, call the whole town. Now let's try and get this thing off the ground. ground. All in together, let's gather round. We're gonna try and get...